0: Well, welcome to Faithful Fatherings Podcast. My name is Rick Wirtz with Faithful Fathering, the founder and president of Faithful Fathering. We welcome you to uh, glad you're here to join us this morning and uh Wanted to let you know, uh, Faithful Fathering is all about encouraging and, and equipping dads to be faithful fathers. Dads that prioritize physical presence, are engaged emotionally, and lead spiritually by example. Uh, our vision is to encourage dads uh, to be engaged in a godly in raising a godly generation and to reinvigorate the church on the fathering front. Uh, this uh, topic, uh, the topic for this podcast series is adoption. And in the studio with me today, I have a very special guest, Mr. Brian Stanton. Brian is an accomplished uh, actor and producer. He's also a husband to his bride of over 20 years and has two beautiful daughters. Uh, Brian's also an adoptee who has written and produced a one-man production called Blank, a reference to the blank space on the birth certificate he received from his adoptive mother at age 23. And I think you'll be intrigued by his story as I was, his story in search of his unique identity and the journey to uh, find his biological mom. Welcome, Brian. I'm thrilled to be here with you. That's a blessing to have you here with me. I just want to hear a a bit about yourself, uh, your family, and your journey. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Yes, so I was born,
1: put up for adoption, and raised in the great Kansas City. (laughs) And uh, I have always... um, Asked you know about my my biological mother my birth mother uh, to my adoptive mother and she uh, my adoptive mother has always said Brian you've always been curious about about uh, who you know your your roots and and your biological parents um, and I uh, was adopted into a great family uh, my adoptive. Parents, I, I was close with uh, my adoptive mother, and I did butt heads quite a bit. Um, I was always challenging her. I think as a child, uh, you know, do you, you know, just kind of hit her on the on the shoulder every now and then, saying, "Do you, you still love me? You still love me, Ma? Huh? I think How that's about pretty now?" Pretty normal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you are going to leave me? You are going to leave me too? You going to reject me? All that. Uh, but she she stayed with me all these years, uh, and I consider my brother and my sister. Um, my best friends. So I I was fortunate. I was definitely one of the fortunate ones. However, the curiosity and the feelings of not fully belonging into that family, into that clan, uh, was always there with me. Um, And my mom confirmed that as I said that she said, I always was curious. I was always asking. And when I was uh, 23, I, I broached the subject again, and my adoptive mother said, well, hold on just a second. She went upstairs, came back down with uh, an envelope and a piece of paper, and inside that envelope was my original birth certificate. Now, I'm not sure how many of the listeners out there know, but when you're adopted, you get two birth certificates. Well, you don't get them. That's going to be my point, but you get an amended birth certificate, and they put your adoptive parents on there. But you do have an original birth certificate, which is the actual record of your birth. Uh, with your birth mother's name on there. If the father is involved or known, then that name will be there and, you know, so forth.
0: Well, right there, Brian, Now, there, you, you said something, and I, I want to make sure the, those listening don't miss that, but yeah. you said "Are in discussing with your mom and, and, and running in with your mom, you said, are you going to leave me too? And I hear that again when you say two birth certificates because one was left with you, correct? Correct.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Way to, yeah. Good catch there. That's that, So there is something that's locked up in a way, right? Something that you're searching for. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess the birth certificate is that physical representation of something that we have felt that, well, I, I should only speak for myself, but a lot of adoptees, I, I have felt something is always missing. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. you'll hear adoptees say that, uh, Uh, they feel like they're missing a limb or there's a hole in themselves, an empty space inside themselves, uh, or maybe that they're floating around because they just don't have any roots, you know, just kind of waywardly floating in the air, not knowing where they're going. Right. Right. Uh, But back to the birth certificate. um, There are several states where it's still those original birth certificates are locked away. Uh, It's Uh, I would not have the right in several states uh, to uh, retrieve my birth certificate. Now, I was born in Kansas City, and those of you listening, it sits on the border of Kansas and Missouri. Oddly enough, Kansas has always had open records.
0: Open adoption records. Yes. Meaning?
1: Meaning if I was born on the Kansas side— I can go, uh, you know, to to the courthouse or stay cap, you know, wherever you retrieve it and um, get my records, get my original birth records, request that. Mm -hmm. Now, Missouri was closed until 2017. Oh, my goodness. I hope I don't get that wrong. But just in the last few years, Missouri opened their records. So they had been closed. So Missouri was closed. I was born on the Missouri side. How did my mother – how did my adoptive mother get – my birth certificate, well, she had a connection <laughs> uh, through Catholic Charities. And there was an angel there that uh, I, I call – I definitely call her an angel uh, sure. that broke the law and took a copy uh, – uh, printed out a copy of my original birth certificate because she understood that it is my right to have. Sure, uh, sure. Um, and that's what my mother gave me that day in, in our kitchen in Kansas City when I was 23 years old. Boom. And – uh there, there it was, plain as day, uh, my birth mother's name was right there. And that's where it became real. So all these years where I was, oh, who's? I wonder who she is. And I, I had all these fantasies growing up of who she is and where I came from, who her family is. And same thing with my father. And uh, now I have a real name. You know, and that kind of takes you to a different level, you know, wow, she does exist. Right. And that began a search. And that began the search. Mm. Uh, Now, my father's name was blank. There was no name there. And my name on the birth certificate was blank. And like you mentioned, uh, that is the title of my uh, solo play, my one-man play called Blank, which obviously refers to that space, but also to the blank uh, inside ourselves that we're trying to fill in of who we are. You know, that search of identity mm. in a way. Okay. Um, so we, um, after a while, my, my mom said, well, when you're ready, you can uh, let me know. I, I will go ahead and make that phone call for you and touch base with your birth mother. And I will let her know.
0: What a tremendous uh, gesture for an adoptive mother! I can imagine an adoptive mother would uh, almost sometimes take offense to the interest to be uh, into your biological, uh, in your biological mom.
1: Yes, great point. Um, boy, to have the support of my parents and and really my family as a whole, uh, I can't tell you how great it felt. Um, we adoptees can feel very guilty we have a guilty conscience uh, and uh, I joke around that I'm I, I feel like I'm one of the most guilty people out there because a I was uh, rejected as a baby and given away and then I grew up Catholic
0: there you go so hey. I had
1: <laughs> I have those <laughs> guilt feelings uh, I do joke about it but uh, it's 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 there sure and it is. It sure um, is. And rejection uh, is—rejection isn't easy for anybody, but for adoptees, uh, it is magnified a little bit um, because of that first rejection.
0: And you throw a little bit of people-pleaser mentality in there. I have
1: become the Mm people-pleaser, absolutely, mm -hmm, uh, to an extreme. And, I mean, I've I've pulled back now since I'm more aware of it. (laughs) But uh, I was definitely the people-pleaser. So— Adoptive parents can also feel, well, let me speak for myself here. I, I with the feeling of guilt, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to say, I want to go look for my biological mother because I don't want to hurt the feelings of my adoptive mother or biological father. I don't want to hurt the feelings of my adoptive father. I'm going to tell you all this right now. Um, the reason that I searched and the reason that I sought out my uh, biological family had nothing to do with the love or lack of love of my adoptive family. It was just always there um, for several personal reasons as well as for technical reasons, like medical reasons, sure, you know, sure. stuff like that. Because when you go to a doctor, so the first thing they say, well, does this run in the family? I don't know. Right. Um So so, I know sometimes adoptive uh, parents can feel threatened, um, but don't feel threatened. Uh, Be their parent.
0: And I I think that's true of parents overall. They feel like they've put out something for their children. Why would their children question anything? You know, there's a a possessiveness to that. And I would assume the same for an adoptive parent that they they want to, they they expect you to uh, appreciate all you've done for them, all they've done for you. And why would you go look uh, somewhere else for another set of parents? And that has to be blasted through, I would think.
1: Absolutely. And uh, some uh, parents call you the ungrateful adoptee. You know, Mm. you should be grateful for what we did for you. But uh, it's it's not about the adoptive parents. It's about the child and the child's well-being and the child's rights. And I have every right.
0: And that's what I hear uh, resoundingly is that uh, sometimes we – we forget who this is really about. It's your identity that you're trying, right. and and you can live in the identity of your adoptive family, and that may suffice for some, but if you're questioning, then to to have the right and to have the support to go search out your identity, sounds like uh, that's where your adoptive family really loved on you.
1: Well put, Rick, well put.
0: Um, it Yes, so to have their
1: support, Meant the absolute world because they're my parents. And at that time where I'm extremely vulnerable, when I see that name on that paper, that's where I need a parent. Mm. And quite honestly, the more information the adoptive parents have about the biological roots of their adopted child, the better parents they're going to be. Sure, sure. You know, if that makes sense.
0: Right, particularly in that a lot of adoptive parents have no other kids. So they're trying to figure this thing out as well. Without a doubt.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. So the love and support uh, that my mother gave me
0: during that was So that started your journey to make contact. Did she make contact with you? She
1: made contact with her first, yeah. So uh, she called her up, and my birth mother was delighted over the moon to hear that I would like to get in touch with her. And uh, my mom just suggested, how about you just simply write him a letter? And uh, that's what she did. She wrote me a letter. I received it. I was living in California at the time. I was uh, studying theater at California Institute of the Arts, and I was in the middle of an acting class. And I I went to on break, and I went to check the mail, and boom, there it was. Wow. And just holding the letter and seeing the name, I was overcome with emotion. Sure, sure. Sure. So I, of course, my acting teacher is like, read it to us. We can all be here for you, and you can use this. Everybody watch it. I was like, no, nah, th- th- I think I'll go off on we my don't own. need the
0: drama. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so I went off on my own, and I read it. And um, she said how that she had been waiting years for this moment and uh, to be able to connect with me, um, and she came right out and. St- and told me the truth. She said, um, said, Brian, I'm sure you have a question for me that I put to myself 23 years ago, which I was 23 at the time. And she said, how could I give away my own son? Sure. And um, she was 16. Very rough time for her. And uh, she said she was at a high school party and was raped by three boys at the party. Um, That obviously was a huge gut punch. Sure, Um, You never know what you're going to get when you search, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we always have questions about our identity growing up, and adoptees have them (laughs) even more so sometimes, I think, when they don't know where they came from. And this was the last thing on my mind that I thought uh, th- that I would be a product of that, right. you know, um, took some time to process. Luckily, I was dating a, an amazing woman at the time, and she came up, gave me comfort, who, and she is now my wife. Um, but I was overcome with emotion. Uh, I, honestly, I cried for about 24 hours just off and on. It, it would hit me w- when I didn't even expect Uh, You almost don't realize how much you carry of what that meant
0: to you at that time. Uh, But you've been bottling it in for a number of years. I've been bottling it in
1: for a number Mm. of years. And
0: Mm. um, uh,
1: but you know, um, I had I was fortunate to have support from both my parents. I did read the letter to my parents, and I had their support, thankfully. Um and my wife was there, and of course my classmates at Cal Arts. So I was very fortunate to have a lot of love around me, sure. a lot of love around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know what, Rick? There's there's a thing. Well, that's an event that happened. I am not that event. Absolutely, at all. Right. right. And I moved forward with the relationship. We began to email each other. We spoke on the phone, and then I I, I met her in person. Um. And uh, that was an interesting time, too. <laughs> she could not stop hugging me and touching me. And, and, um, and uh, the hug was great, but it became almost too much. Um, she, uh, and she kept apologizing over and over and over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I, I gave you away. I, I, I'm really sorry. I, looking back, I could have done it. And she has two boys right now, so I have two half-brothers. And she said, looking back now, you know, how I raised my boys, I, I could have done that. I could have made it work. You know, she kept saying it. And Rick, there, there are two narratives that were given. When, when, I'm, when I was growing up adopted, I constantly hear, oh, your mother loved you so much she gave you away. <laughs> oh, your mother made the best decision for you. And, you know, and everything's roses and beautiful. And, and yeah, I, I had a fortunate experience, a great adoptive family. But that's the narrative that I had. Now – I had this woman who did relinquish me, who's saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I could have done it. And she kept touching me and hugging me. And I, I didn't know how to it's too much process that sure, at all. Sure. Right. And I became the adult and was trying to comfort her saying, oh, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I've had a great life. Everything's fine. Um, and I, I didn't, I wasn't I, I didn't honestly uh, uh, process my feelings at the time.
0: And you had mentioned that uh, sometimes the mother in that situation reverts back correct? to, her 16, uh, to being 16, which, which, again, stirs up all those guilt issues.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, psychologically, you, you go back to the trauma. Mm-hmm. And she was 16 years old at that trauma. And I was a 23-year-old man. Um, and... Looking back, when I was crying all that time, I'm wondering if I reverted to being that baby that that was taken away from his mother, you know, and that's where all the emotion came in from there. I, I, you know, Um, but yes, I understood her point of view when I later learned about a little more on the psychology of the relinquishment. Uh, and right. and also confiding in a lot of other birth mothers,
0: right, right,
1: uh, which I could probably get to my play now because that led <laughs> me to that world. <laughs> um, nonetheless, I created a relationship with my birth mother, um, and still have a relationship today, and my my daughters are a part of her life.
0: Fantastic. Um, Well, and then those outside the adoption world can be as crass as to say, well, at least she didn't abort you. Oh, gosh, that's the worst thing to say to an adoptive person. That's where I uh, look so forward to those that are tuned in now, Brian, is that there is a whole new level of sensitivity to understanding the complexity, the psychology that that affects an adoptee and the adoptive parents both.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I spoke of the guilt that we can feel. Uh, we also sometimes feel that we have to be grateful for for this person that came in and rescued us, right? Um, but no, I, I'm 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 a child. <laughs> well, not anymore, but I was a child, sure. and and I just needed parents and I needed support uh, for. The normal feelings that come up, and we all have our issues. We all have different traumas. We all have our own individual experiences, adopted or not, and a good parent is sensitive to those.
0: And, and being the uh, theatrical performer you are, the actor that you are, you wanted to make this a message. To, uh, to get out there to share a little bit about uh, that journey and, and your connections uh, and your engagement with uh, raising the bar for uh, awareness of adoptees' uh, needs as well as uh, just the adoption world in general. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I, uh, I began to write um, a play Yeah, about that experience, about um, – I call it a journey in search of identity. And uh, it is about the questions and natural questions that always came up for me, um, and and the conversations I've had with others about who who am I, and and uh, with the backstory of my adoption that led me to my birth mother, um, and I premiered it in 2010 in Hollywood. It ran about eight weeks, and that's where. I began to really have a connection with the adoptee and foster world, with that community. Because then I began performing uh, for foster and adoption support organizations, awareness organizations um, that help spread awareness and education about adoption and foster care. Uh, typically about adoptees and, and uh, those that went through the foster care system. And hearing their voices. Here's a play that I had already performed numerous times, tens and tens of times. Um, and hearing their voices after, like, during a and a or a conversation after the play, I'd be like, oh, that's why I wrote that line. Oh, that's what that little exchange of dialogue I wrote means right there. Oh! <laughs> so I began to understand more about what I wrote because a lot of it came from my subconscious. Sure. And once I understood that, then I started to understand myself a little bit more and what adoption meant to me and what it means to me being an adopted person. And that opened up my awareness and more dialogue with those in the community, especially the birth mothers, because I wanted to understand my mother more, my birth mother more. Sure, sure. Um, and when that happened, looking back on my reunion when I was 23 years old, uh, let's see, I was like 35 when, yeah, you know, or 33, I think, when I first started performing Blank, but no, 35. And uh, I... Um, I became more aware of what that situation meant and why she was apologizing to me all the time and why she continued, just couldn't let go of me. And, you know, I broached the subject with her and uh, said, "I I, because I think I pushed her away. I was scared. I pushed her away a bit. Um, I didn't know what to make of it. Uh, and I said, no, I, I do want you in my life. I want you in my family. I want my kids, in, you know, in your life as well. And uh, I understand you more now, you know, because she's like, well, you told me you were okay. What, what happened? I just said that. I didn't mean it. <laughs> right. You told me everything was just fine. You got a perfect life. And she did see blank. She saw the play. Ah,
0: uh, okay. Yeah. What was her reaction?
1: So it's funny, Rick. She was here with her husband, who's a great man, been a great support through all this. But uh, they were sitting in the back corner of the theater, and I was in my dressing room, and I opened the door, and I called my stage manager over, and I said, like, come here, come here, come here, come here. And I have, a, I have a, this little box of Kleenex here. Can, can you give this to the woman uh, sitting in the back corner of the theater? She said, yeah, 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 no problem. And not even two minutes later, there's a knock on my door. It's my stage manager. She's giving me back the Kleenex. She said, she already has a whole box of her own. (laughs) (laughs) But her reaction uh, out in the uh, lobby afterwards as we're talking with people, um, she introduced herself as the character in my play as my mother, Uh, which was very big for her because she, as a birth mother, still carries a lot of that shame. Um, She doesn't like to talk about it um it, it was a very, it was an extremely difficult time for her um so th- that was really that was a special night
0: in the process what what did you learn about your identity
1: good question <laughs> Um, well, identity, we identify with so many things in life, and this is what I explore is, uh, you know, am I the actor? Am I the father? Am I the husband? Am I the man? Am I, you know, all these external things, but what is it inside that we have? And, and Rick, since I was an actor, I was given, at school, I was given an outline of, called Analysis of Your Character, and we just tear apart the character and
0: you the know, character you're gonna portray. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Exactly. Any character that I would play in any play. Hmm. Uh, as I'm analyzing a character, I I find out everything about them. And you know, I'll make up their favorite color, their favorite food and, and, and then but why do they make the choices they make, you know? And I, I know everything about the character. And then I'm ready to go on stage. But I don't know a lick about me. Who am I? Right and so I, the play is me kind of going through that outline, trying to figure out who I am. Uh, well, I I learned that um, I'm I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers here, Rick. But uh, <laughs> I I learned that uh, we're always reaching for something external, something out there. But uh, you need to dive deep inside yourself. Uh, there's there's something bigger. There's there's um, and you and I have spoken a lot about this, but uh, there's the spirit there, the essence, the soul, the you know, whatever you want to call it, the awareness. There, there's something deep inside of you um, that is going through this human experience, uh, you know, and and just trying to figure out this journey that we're all on. Um but identity wise learning who my mother was and 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 where she came from and meeting her relatives it's it began to ground me a little bit as well i wasn't as lost mm. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. I... And uh, I ask our listeners here: Are you as intrigued as I am in this <laughs> in this journey, uh, this tremendous uh, journey to, of understanding self? That understanding that it's not about all the answers; it's about uh, understanding that maybe there's a few more questions. Oh. And I think as a father, that's one of the things we have to push: is to maybe ask those questions uh, instead of jumping to the conclusions that we think we have the answers. To be a little more open. To keep that. Dialogue going, especially dads with teenagers. Right, we got to keep those kids talking to connect with them. But I, Brian, I just thank you so much for uh, your story here. I know it's a uh, beginning. Uh, folks, don't tune out. There's uh, more to the story as he continues his search for his father after he uh, found his biological mother, but our uh, birth mother. I, I should re- be uh, clear on that. But uh, it's a fabulous journey, and I just again encourage dads to keep asking those questions. Understand it isn't always about knowing the answer but uh just searching one more question and uh i just uh, want to encourage and equip dads to understand that uh that's the job of a faithful father to uh, prioritize uh, physical presence engage emotionally lead spiritually by example that's the dad you're called to be and that's the dad the next generation needs god bless godspeed